Hi, everybody. I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the two, two horny, horny goats. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode five, where we talk about using spirituality for self growth. This is a heavy topic, Rox. I know, Priscilla. <laughs> I am so excited to dive into this, though, because honestly, I feel like the older we get, the more we embrace these types of methods in order to improve our lives. What do you yeah, think? I do, too. I mean, when did like when did self-care come into your consciousness? Because I didn't grow up with that, for sure. Um, 30s, because that's when I realized that my skin was starting to dry up like oh, a dehydrated, shit. like dried squid. Like it's raisin. always dried squid oh, for God, me. And then squid. I'm just like, but you were always really keen on your, on your skincare. And uh-huh. I'm like, wait a second. I'm not getting any younger. I need to take care of my Korean skin masks like routine so i started doing that but also internally you know what i mean um my breakthrough was in my 30s what about you i I feel like when we were in our 20s or even like in our late teens we were like let's burn the candle at both fucking ends and do all the things because there are no consequences i'm gonna live fucking forever (laughs) and then you turn like 26 i remember my first like really bad hangover um, and I remember waking up on my 26th birthday and, you, you know, doing the regular throwing up, which shouldn't be normalized, <laughs> but it is in your mid twenties, you know? And I was like, cool, this is going to be gone by noon. And then noon came and went and then three came and went and then six came and went and the next morning came and went and I was still hung over and I was like, oh shit, like it's all downhill from here. You know? <laughs> I know that rude awakening of being yeah. like, you're really not getting any younger, but no. also like, I think in your twenties, it was all about searching for external validation and like making your way in the world becoming visible and once you Mm -hmm. have that you're just like wait a second this shift needs to go inwards to take care of like you realize that it really comes from the inside out and you're like why am i not like why am i not seeing the success that i want in Mm -hmm. in certain ways like i'm burning the candle at both ends but the fact is if you're not bringing a hundred percent quality to every interaction every meeting every you know production meeting you have like you're actually degrading the quality of the potential of the work you know i'm so excited to dig into (laughs) this though because this is probably like the biggest step of improving my life you know like this was like a huge life-changing moment was when I discovered how to utilize all of this like law of attraction manifestation visualization and it's not religion based like anybody could do it totally and Mm -hmm. I I feel like personally and a lot of my friends I have a history of Mm self-sabotaging and I do that by destroying my body in different ways and I think focusing on self-care I, it's, I'm still a work in progress. I'm still like a rubber band. Some days I'm still like, I, I you know, I, I do self care things, and then the next day I'm like eating lamyon at three a.m. Mm. and like you know drinking an, in, myself into oblivion. And I'm like, I'm still working on finding a balance. And I would say I'm more so on the on finding balance now on the side of finding balance, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. You're constantly a work in progress. Healing is a lifelong journey, and yeah. like <clears throat> the. You know how there are some people who are much older than us and in, you know, uh, from different generations who Mm. lack complete self-awareness and have complete lack of understanding that their words have impact, their actions have impact. Like all of this, you have to go inwards for. So I'm so excited we're in this generation where this is more openly discussed because people really want to improve their lives. It's true. It's true. And then weirdly, I feel like it makes room 
to feel more ennui, to feel more sadness, to Mm -hmm. get in touch with your depression. Yes. If you have, you know, that kind of aspect to your mental health. But at the same time, it's better because you're actually dealing with those negative aspects. Even like talking to my mom about certain things, she's like, why would I want to feel? Why would I want to think about that and feel these things, you know? And I'm like, but It's mom, scary for them. It's scary. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. But anyway, I just want to say really quick, guys, uh, California is going through a crazy heat wave. California is also on fire at the moment. How do you feel mm-hmm. about all this, Rox? Um, I think it's kind of metaphorical for everything that's happening this year. And it's so strange because I was talking to my parents about it and they were just like, yeah, your California is on fire. There's so many wildfires. And I'm just like, it's just another thing. Like for me, I'm like, there's so many terrible things happening all the time, but we also have to try and stay on the positive. I think that's like the, the practice for this year is just about managing whether or not where your emotions go with things you can't control. And like, um, how much you can control because this mm-hmm. is just what life is yeah. and things are just more heightened right now because we ha- we don't have those distractions and you know I think the news and media they show the truth but they also amplify propaganda and amplify you know they they lead us to where we need to go and sometimes that's in a very dramatic you know falling off a cliff sort of way you sure. know sure yeah, but in terms of like what you and I are doing for climate change, I mean, we could definitely be doing more. But Roxy and I are both Prius drivers. Oh, yes. Proud <laughs> Prius drivers who go 30 miles on the highway, there giving we go. thumbs up to all the slow ass Prius drivers being like, we're saving the environment. It's like being, uh, it's like Flintstoning around town. Mm-hmm. Like if you're trying to get anywhere, go up like a minor, like 10 degree hill, your car is like, <laughs> You know what? Actually, like, I think that if you and I dug out like little holes by our feet, like our Prius would go faster if we <laughs> used our feet than by its own. Like, yeah, it has no power. Our Prius. It has no power. It no. has no power. It's like, yeah, it's like a limp. It's like a limp dick. Um, <laughs> got my Prius ten years ago, and no. um, back when Happy I graduated college. Yeah, I've had her for a very long time. Yes. And um, my mom's like, "You should change your car now." I was like, "No, no, no. I'm really sentimental." And her, she's given me great mileage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like she's slow as fuck, and sometimes you know it's yeah. People do cut me off, and I do face Prius discrimination, but I'm always <laughs> standing with the underdog. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she's helping the environment. She is. She's keeping it sustainable. And if I'm gonna be with with you know. I'm not going to drive a fucking Bugatti. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. And every Prius, like you'll notice, for some reason, people like to steal the Prius rims or the rim covers. Yeah, they do. Why? They just get, I don't know. I think because you can just pry them off. You don't even oh, have to use lug nuts. they look cooler without the rims, let's be honest. I mean, like, they're doing us a favor. At that point, you know, I mean, we don't really have a choice. Like, do we actually love that? Or do we, are we, have we grown to love it because that's just our plight, you know? <laughs> I've learned to embrace whatever hardships come my way and just be like, ah, c'est la vie. There you go. <laughs> there you um, go. But anyway, um, you know, we're in LA. Lockdown is still in effect, whether or not people want to follow it or not. And this week, you know, I know this is airing in a couple of weeks, but this week Taiwan had its first 10,000 person arena show. And I, I texted Roxy and I was like, bitch, now they're just showing off. <laughs> hey, Priscilla, let me ask you, yeah. how did that make you feel the moment you saw that article? Enraged. 
Enraged, but also proud. I was really proud. I'm genuinely so proud of Taiwan. Like, they are just killing it. Their life is like back to normal. Nothing is like, nothing is, it's like their hair was like maybe slightly ruffled, but they're fine, you know? Um, And so there's like a Times article, and um, actually, my friend um, Anrong took the the photos that we that we saw. Amazing. He's such a badass. (laughs) Yeah, he's such a badass. And so he's been living in Taiwan uh, for the past couple of months. So he's been capturing life over there. Um, but the thing is, all 10,000 people wore a mask, um, were okay with temperature checks, kept the mask on the entire time. And, uh, you know, that's why we can't have nice things yet in the U.S. Because we cannot do culture. that. We have, yeah. like, I mean, they are very much responsible social citizens. And that's been ingrained in Taiwanese culture ever since we were born. Yeah. It's yeah. like to be a part of the collective. You know what right. I mean? And so... Uh, we're really seeing that like the celebration of American individuality and freedom has a Mm. very, very, very dark side. It has a bit of a dark side. Yeah. There's a, there's some drawbacks, but where do you think you fall? Like in terms of that um, striation between individualism and, you know, collectivism. I think that's like really where the intersect happens with uh, being Taiwanese American, right? Or if you come mm-hmm. from two cultures, that's always where your conflict lies. And yeah. I think that individual individuality embracing that has really made me confident in having my own voice and point of view. Mm-hmm. But when you're thinking about the greater good of right. like the world or the community that you're living in, you have to revert back to what it means to be a social citizen. It's true. Like, I think the American side of me allows a lot of freedom within my own mind. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I have a lot of individualism in terms of creative thought, in terms of forming my own opinions. Um, however, I, I do think that in terms of how I want to conduct myself publicly, I want to, I, I, I'm much more collective focused in that sense. You know what I mean? So I think our Taiwanese counterparts that maybe were born and raised in Taiwan may not have as much internal freedom as we do. Yeah. But like, Externally, I feel like our parents have, you know, brought us up to to be more conscious of the collective. Thank you, mom and dad. Thanks, mom and dad. We Thank love you, you guys. We love you guys. And obviously, <laughs> like this is setting a real example of how we need more female leaders because mm. they're handling coronavirus a lot Taiwan more effectively. And New Zealand, right? <laughs> I know. We can't beat the stats, guys. We can't beat the stats. Also, everyone, please register to vote. Um, please. Okay. Yeah. Please. Seriously. Um, okay. Well, today's topic one rocks. What What are we covering today? We're talking about self-care and finding creativity in isolation. So um, what are some things that you're doing to help maintain your sanity? I think that's Mm -hmm. first and foremost because it's easy to spiral out into negative thinking, into a dark tornado of thoughts during this time, especially now in like fucking month seven of um is it month seven yeah it's been pretty intense and um or we're we're edging on month seven and um how do you i think that self-care what does self-care mean it's not so much external but it's also about your emotions your thoughts and your heart so explain to me like what this has been like internally for you um i know we talked about you know uh me spending a a year in isolation kind of in ashland so this is a little bit along those same lines. Um, I think the things that help me that are a little more external are just like taking long walks, meditative time for myself. Um, but I think the the most difficult thing to really handle is mm-hmm. dealing with my negative self-talk. I, I think the way my mom raised us was like she never wanted us to get haughty or like proud um, or too like big for our britches. But I think like in doing so... Um, 
it was like always creating a space for doubt, even if you had a certain amount of success. It's like, okay, you have amount of success, but like God sees your heart. And if you're proud, he can take that away from you in a second, you know? And so that's like, that's how, that's like so internalized into how I view myself and, and my accomplishments that anytime I accomplish something, I am a little bit afraid that God's going to think I'm proud and take it away from me. As an adult, I think that the flip side is actually like true self-knowledge is knowing your strengths. I I don't think true self-knowledge can exist without knowing your weaknesses, but also being aware and acknowledging your strengths. I don't think it's wrong when people say, you know, pride comes before the fall. Uh, That's obviously like a, a tried and true statement for a reason. But I think that can also, if you take it to the extreme, um, you can miss out on just like really understanding like what your purpose is in this mm-hmm. world. Like, why are you here? You know, what, what are your strengths? What are your goals and what are you striving for? You know? Um, and then I think my, my life coach, uh, shout out to Yannicka again, has saved me multiple times. But one of the exercises we were doing is at the beginning of, of quarantine, you know, I would, I'd be wanting to do creative things. And then I would basically feel like I could hear negative self-talk in my entire space. I would like start recording something and it'd be like, oh, well, why are you doing that? You're not even good. Why are you, why are you saying that? Like, you're not even like worth, you don't have anything wow. worth saying. That's hard shit. Right? And, yeah. and, and that's what you go through in isolation. You know what I'm saying? Because all you hear are, whether it's your voice or the people of, mm-hmm. uh, of voices of people in your past, they inundate your mind, especially when you're alone or when you don't have a good like method um, to keep boundaries from your own thoughts from getting repetitively negative, right? Right, right. And so what we kind of um, devised was this, uh, I think we called it like put, put the snakes away. So all of these negative self-talks, like I was like, I'm visualizing snakes, you know, and they're just kind of getting all over me and it's freaking me out and it's like distracting me from anything. So before I start anything creative or anything productive, um, I had this little like little container and I would open it and just visualize putting all the snakes into the container and then closing it. And even though it's like, yeah, it's, it can sound or feel a little silly, but just that visualization itself helped me to like quiet that noise, you know? That's the power of visualization. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because your mind is so powerful. It's more powerful than how you receive the material world mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. It's how you're able to access like past this 3D space. Right. Sorry, now I'm going super esoteric. No, but, but what are what about you? Like, what are some things that have helped you maintain sanity in all of this? Well, I would have to say that tarot has been very life changing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started practicing tarot, I think, three years ago at this point. <laughs> and um, I, it was a time in my life when. You know, I talked about it in a past episode where everything fell apart, like nothing was going the way that I wanted to. And um, and I felt like I had no control over anything Mm. what's happening in my life. And that's really helped me get to this space where this year where nothing has happened in my life. And um, you're you have to be mindful of like where you're putting your energy, where you're putting your thoughts and. And, and asking yourself, like, what makes you feel the most fulfilled and purposeful Mm -hmm. during this time, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what's nourishing you? In yeah. a time when you feel a lack of that. So um, I remembered when I first started um, working with tarot, I got this Indonesian tarot reader. Shout out, Anissa. Hey. Um, I love you. And she's a clair- uh she's a clairsentient and uh she's extreme she has intuitive empathy mm. and she's all the way in jakarta 
And um, basically, I paid her to do a personal reading. And uh, it wasn't even face-to-face Skype or anything. Mm -hmm. And in 30 minutes... Uh, She sent me this like 30 minute video a week later, giving me a 360 view of everything I wasn't seeing in my life. And she was extremely accurate, like down to the people around me and what their intentions were around me. And she only had my picture to visualize me. Whoa. And then she connected to me. And I mean, you got a wily soul, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. But that was just like when you're talking about visualization. Mm -hmm. It's like she wasn't even around my energy, but she saw me. Mm -hmm. And then she was able to connect with me and talk to my guides and like be able to speak honestly and find out the truth of everything that was happening to me around that time. So after after that, I started practicing tarot. I got really scared when I got my first deck. Um, I didn't know that I possessed any psychic abilities. Truth is, we actually all do. Mm -hmm. It just depends on how much you you want to nurture it. And intuition is probably the best one yeah Mm -hmm. there's like clairvoyance being able to see you know there's clairaudience being able to hear messages and there's like clairsentience which is you know being able to feel and know things Mm -hmm. so uh, remember priscilla when i first read for you and it was at cassell's yeah i do remember and you read for the waiter we had too i know he was the first person that like wasn't my friend at first i thought i was reading and being accurate because i just knew my friends like i knew what you were going through Mm -hmm. but when i read for him yeah he like lost it. <laughs> he lost it. Yeah. And like and then I felt the first time a clear channel um going through me and like I, all these messages just started coming in and it sort of just feels like my mouth just starts talking on its own. Mm. You know, and like tarot is just a pathway to connect with that. It's wow. almost as if you know, I just know what people are feeling and be able to channel and visualize people the same way that Anissa did. And um and then I started reading for other people. Like mm. I think Um, other people were quite shook by what they went through and then started reading for strangers. And then it just real, I just realized that like tarot is really not so much about, it is divination, but it's also about like finding out what you're seeing, what you could work on to have the most abundant life you possibly can and what you could do to shift the energy in your current state. Right. Because our world, our world is a reflection of what we believe. Mm. It's mm-hmm. a mirror of everything we are, mm-hmm. right? So you have to conscious, consciously uh, like shift the way you think, the way you feel, how you see the world mm-hmm. to have it reflect back and have you manifest the, the, the desires that you have into the 3D world. Mm. It's helping you find a center and, uh, you know, a, you know, a lotus leaf to sit on during this time, you know, and none, nothing in this world really makes sense. But tuning into the energies around you and the spirits around you, like, you know, that's helping you stay grounded and find, you know, your purpose and what's blocking you. And honestly, like, sounds like for you, it's helping you find um, self-improvement. You know? It is. And like if anybody wants to be like, oh, should I get a tarot deck? Yes, get a tarot deck and study. You know, there's biddytarot.com mm-hmm. if you want to know, like if you draw a card every day, it's going to show you an energy. Right. And like there's no such thing as a bad card. Right. You know, None, yeah. there's no such thing. Like it, like life is just a spectrum of different challenges yeah. and, and wins. And so it's just about being mindful, like what you said, Priscilla, mm-hmm. about like all the dark stuff and all the good stuff and yeah. balancing that out, you know? So. So, um, yeah, it's been very healing for me to read tarot for other people during this time. I mean, it's remote, which is very different for me, but I just love being able to connect with people still at a certain level, despite being physically separated from them. 
I, I love that. And, and I love that kind of we're hearing right now about the, the end stage of your journey with self-care. But let's take it back a little bit. Okay. Um, you and I have been living in like LA city proper for the, like pretty much the last decade. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And the biggest, like, I guess maybe one of the more annoying stereotypes about LA that is a hundred percent true. Once you get onto your IG stories, um, like our friend, Kevin Fong level four alpha on Instagram <laughs> is always making these incredible memes, um, that are just like too true, but it's the LA hustle, right? I, I think every city has its hustle, but I think LA's hustle is very specifically, I think slants a little more narcissistic. Yes. I mean, you go around the city and you see people in yoga pants with bodies that are like just slamming. When you moved to LA, when did you buy into it? You know, and, 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 and what did that look like in your life? Well, it's so crazy that you gave it that kind of context because it's mm-hmm. saddening and true, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, because when you get here, you're literally, people say, this is where all the best come. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. if you don't make it within a certain X amount of years, you're a failure and you move home. And right. like, you're just like, but I'm investing all of this time and all of these stakes to be here. Yeah. And so the most, the first thing that comes to your mind, and I know you went through this too, mm-hmm. because, you know, you, you do music is like, how do I stand out against the crowd? Mm-hmm. And that's why everyone, everyone self promotes themselves like this, these influencer cultures, everyone's like celebrating their individuality, which sort of really ties into what we were talking about earlier right. in terms of collectivism versus individuality. But in LA, it's like a extreme, it's in that extreme polar realm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so then I've never, I mean, I've always been very expressive and I love art and, um, but then I realized that fuck, I'm like constantly self-promoting myself in a way that's like cool, but I'm not really self-promoting. I'm just showing you my life. Right. You know? And, uh, and, and that's why like Instagram feels very curated and not authentic because even though it's, it strives to be that in a way, it's really not. But I remember living with you. I remember living with you and, and the biggest thing was you were always so, busy but i remember like there was a certain point like i think right in our late 20s when you were like i'm gonna start saying no to things because i think the the anxiety when we're young is like we just want to take on any project we see um Mm -hmm. even though it's not um strategic in any way it's not pushing us forward in any way but it's another thing for us to be doing and busying our hands you know what i mean you just want to be seen because we weren't seen yet we we just saw all the competition and how far it could be yeah but beyond that i think we had an anxiety to say no Oh, uh, uh, 100%. That's something that I really had to learn how to say no. I like didn't understand what that meant. And also that was like imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? Mm. Like not didn't really go to film school, didn't really learn craft and like, how the fuck am I supposed to be a filmmaker without these tools? Right. It's like setting yourself up for failure before you even took your first step. Mm, Totally. You know, totally. So, so like, I, I guess like, did that affect you in the same way as I did? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was definitely like, I don't think I actually stood for anything. You know, I would take any gig anywhere. Like, like mm-hmm. at the time, I probably would have taken, like, if it was like a Republican whatever party, I probably would have done the gala because I, I just wasn't thinking that way. Yeah. I wasn't thinking that what I did ultimately like would speak into who I am as a person, right. like in term, it's all part of your story. And in mm-hmm. that way, like I didn't curate it. I was just like, I want to, I want to take any gig that comes my way. It doesn't really matter what I have to do. I just, I'm showing people that I can do it. 
And that was more important than anything. Yeah. And then my fear of, of rejection, my fear of letting people down probably carried me to, to more gigs that I wasn't a hundred percent in agreement with, you know, uh, YouTube, videos that I've been in that I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I would do that nowadays. Um, but I don't blame myself like in any way. I think it was all healthy stuff in that we have to go through shit to learn. You know, Priscilla, when I lived with you and like, you know, just knowing you for so long when you did all that, you were constantly busy too. Yeah. And you, you are somebody who has so much energy and like was so willing to give and like be enthusiastic and yeah. like get people excited about like, but I never ever felt that you were tired, but were you tired? <sighs> it never came off that way. I, I mean, same for you. You know, I don't know if I was tired until my late twenties when I started to really feel the consequences of having no more gas left in the tank, like no more fuel. And Mm. I would come home like, you know, after doing three different gigs at three different parts of LA in 108 degree weather, you know, um, Mm. all for like maybe a a total pay of $120 and like some parking tickets or parking stipends, you know? Um, and just coming home and just being like, what the fuck is like, what, what am I doing this for? You know? And just feeling so exhausted, like to my very core. But I have to say, I don't think I really realized that life was really short and you needed to be more intentional with how you utilize your energy until I had some family members pass away at a pretty young age in their fifties. Um, And I think that helped kickstart me into realizing like everything that you do in life, like you can't be careless with it. Right. It's so finite. Like if you had a finite jar that you were filling, like would you fill it with like, would you fill it with just sand or would you fill it with diamonds? You know what I mean? And I felt like I spent so much time filling it with as much sand as possible just because it was adding to the quantity. Going back to that term, LA hustle, hustle, mm-hmm. what, what, deconstructing the word hustle, it's like constantly busying yourself with excessive noise. Yeah. And when it really boils down to it, if there was something that I could teach my younger self, it's just about that your energy is the most precious asset that you have. The time you give to people is the most precious gift you could give to anybody. Yeah. Be wary and be mindful of who you're giving that to. Totally. You know? And like, and, and you want to be able to give your energy. It's like investing in something, right? Yeah. Like in, in a place where it could grow, mm-hmm. like the stock market, right? <laughs> you don't want, like you, because that's the only way you could take care of yourself yeah. because we weren't able to think clearly when we're tired, you know, when we're hungover all mm-hmm. the time. Like it really comes down to the ability to be by yourself right. for a certain amount of time and go within and to find that silence and um, be able to build from there. Totally. I had a voice teacher who, you know, he's kind of this like older Taiwanese man, very influenced by like, you know, the Japanese uh, kind of sensibility. And he came to one of my shows once. And I think, I think you were there and it was one of my first shows and I was so excited. Like everyone who came, I was like, ah, like, so like, ah, like hugs, you know, screaming, like losing my mind, like so excited. Um, and, and, you know, I saw him the next Monday and he was like, really disappointed in me like he was like pissed right and i was like oh like what what's wrong and he's like he was like you are like a furnace right and i was like okay he's like you're like a fire furnace and if you keep opening the doors to the furnace you will never get 
enough heat to actually do anything worthwhile. Mm. And so he's like, every time you waste your energy and you open, you basically open the door to this furnace and you, you lower the potential of the phone furnace. Like you lower its ability to like melt things down properly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, he said it in Chinese, so it was like a little more, cl- like a little more evocative, I guess. But uh, that image has always stuck with me. You have to have boundaries with how you use your energy. So I 100 yes. percent agree with um, what you were like, what you're saying, you know. And so, when did you start to let go of like the FOMO of the LA hustle? Because like when you first come out of it, it's not easy. You know what I mean? Because I had major FOMO at first. I think the things really started to happen after I realized that I'm visible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That you, you stop seeking validation because you're at a place of comfort and you're settled. Honestly, I think that if we don't feel settled, we right. wouldn't get to a place internally where we're just like, okay, now I can start saying no to things because I have grounding beneath my feet now. But what do you mean by visible? You can't have love if you don't have bread. You know what I mean? It's like you right. need to have bread first. And so I was always freelancing and I like never had a full-time job. I was constantly wondering when my next paycheck was coming in. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm more financially stable and then I turned 30 and then I just went like, and then I went through a whole series of like unhealthy, toxic relationships. I was just like, fuck this shit. You know, I know my worth because in a way it's like, yes, you want to find self-love and self-validation. That takes a lot of work. But for me, because of my upbringing, like, that external validation on my Capricorn side was like, wait, I've gotten to this point. I'm proud of myself. Right. You know, and also people see me now and I feel like I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, how, however the fuck that means. And then that's when I honestly, like, I wish I could say, yeah, I could, I found it all on my own. And that's half true. But also the other half is because I worked so fucking hard to get it. But if all of the like external validation went away today, how, how, oh, do you I wouldn't think? care. Okay. I wouldn't care anymore. Mm. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, right. I'm not here to win an Oscar. I'm not here to whatever the fuck. You know, yeah. like, got an Emmy nom this year. Did not expect that. That's really wonderful. Emmy that nominated. That one, <laughs> that one also comes from visualization. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, which I'll dig into a little bit later. But, like, yeah. I don't care. Because now I know what my purpose is. Yeah. And my purpose is greater than that. I, like, totally understand. Like, that's what it took for you to get there. And at the same time, it's like you don't need the the external validation in order to find your center and your self-care. You, you know what I it's mean? It's a journey because before yeah. I thought I did, before mm-hmm. I thought I did, and then now that I got there, I realized I don't need it. So there you go. Yeah. It's not about like, I think we have to go through it. Yes. You know? um, I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what does uh, self-care mean to you, Priscilla? <sighs> Well, right now it's closed, but We Spa was like my major self-care situation. I live right across from that. It's really hard for me to like not be able to go. I'm glad they're renovating. I'm sure they're doing okay. But um, that being closed, it's tough, Rox. Um, But I think it's just finding rest, like any way to find rest. And I, I do have to really credit my husband. Like ever since we met, he was always very adamant about leaving room for rest and and a lot of times you don't even realize how tired you are until you take the time to rest you know what i mean so rest and finding center um feeling rooted i think those all kind of go together for me and the ways i do it taking long walks um doing a little sheet mask situation going to we with roxy getting our skin taken off yes um, i love that abuse me yes, Ajima. you know i deal with a lot of anxiety um and those are the things that kind of helped me 
bring my baseline fluttering anxiety down a little bit. But I mean, Mm. I know those are more external things. What are some of the like external things you do? External things. Uh, I've been really onto a health kick this year because quarantine has allowed me more time to focus on my health, which, you know, on set, you're like on set 12 to 16 hours a day. Yeah. And you're just sitting by village and eating snacks. (laughs) And so I'm able to do intermittent fasting this year um, and exercise a lot more. So I've lost 25 pounds so far this year. Wow. That is huge. I know it's huge and it's uh, something that I've never was able to accomplish before, but um, there's a lot of wonderful things that have happened to me this year. And I think that like, cause I used to look at all the big things, you know, but now it's like celebrating the small things. Right. right? And I think it's important to do that. Um, And then of course, like uh, external things, skincare, eating well, like I think those are very general things, sleeping enough. But I also think that you have to work on like your mental outlook Mm -hmm. and your negative thoughts. Like what you were saying, if they come by, put that snake in a fucking box and like, put it away, away. (laughs) put it, put like really establish an, um, abundance mindset about what it is that you do have and like really give gratitude because the more you give gratitude out into the universe the more that it will give you so it's like equal Mm. give and take right and I um, really think that that's extremely effective and uh, visualization is also extremely important coming down to that because you want to think about like where you're going next and how you could send out those positive vibrations so that you could really have that paved out for you when you're going into it well Rox I want to read you this Um, I I put together a decade plan with my life coach so uh-huh. i put together this at the end of 2019 didn't know shit about the dumpster fire that 2020 was going to be uh-huh. um, but basically it was like what do i want to do and the key point of this was i want to i want to i want to exercise the art of conversation oh that's what the decade plan was called um and it was just kind of putting together like what i want to see in the next 10 years and the biggest thing was something that was deeply creative that i could continue to build um and at the bottom of this list it was either self-start a podcast or join forces with someone to start a podcast (gasps) uh, focused on food culture and childhood memories oh my god and look at what fucking happened i mean you manifested it and i didn't even realize that until I, I literally searched for that email this morning and I was like, huh, like, let me go through some of my, you know, old whatever exercises. And I was like, holy shit, like visualization is important. Not only, not only in the, like, if you believe in a larger spiritual, you know what I mean? P- power, that's great. If you don't, it's just great to like organize your thoughts and lay out your potential goals for the for the foreseeable future, you know? Intention setting. And also, it's important that you write it down, too. It really is. And can you tell people why? Because you were the one who was, you were like, you need to write this shit down, you know? Yeah, I think that writing it down set, sets an extra layer of determination. Like, you may not be aware of it, but, like, when you write it down, it almost becomes, like, a subconscious layer yeah. inside your mind and your soul being like, this is what I, like, I'm signing a contract here with the universe. Right. And with myself. Right. You know what I mean? Because if you daydream about it, that's like, you daydream about it, but it's like, are you going to think about it or are you going to write it down and be like, this is what I see for myself mm. and this is how it's going to happen. So it's like right. adding an extra layer of intention setting. Right. So. Um, bitch, I'm so proud of you. Look, it's manifested. I mean, I'm proud of us. You know what I mean? So at growing up, Brox, let's take it back even further. What, how did your parents and your family model self-care? Was that a thing at all? No, I don't even, I think the extent (laughs) is like skincare. 
Because on your mom or, or on my dad. mom's uh-huh. side and then like exercising as much as you can but like there was no discussion about mental and emotional health mm, like i remembered if i started crying my mom would be like why are you crying like really just stop crying yeah just stop it just like plug it up with a cork and and, and wow. granted you know that's how she dealt with it growing up and yeah. so she thought that was the most effective way was to not show weakness have you seen your mom cry yeah she's very sensitive that's interesting looking back now. It's like she probably was trying to protect you because she's a sensitive person. You yeah, know what I but mean? it's like it bubbles over all the time now mm. because she kept so much of it stifled up for so long. Got you. And and that's like really not healthy. But but you know, that was her way of coping and dealing with her environment growing up and like she thought that's what made you strong is if you don't cry, which is yeah. the Just most inaccurate down. fucking thing. <laughs> also, I love it when men cry. I think it's so sexy. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. Yeah, um, they're not always the cutest choirs because they don't do it as much as you know. Generally, a generalization, they don't. You're a really pretty crier, Priscilla. You're 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 like one of those K drama like beauty crying people. Like you're so beautiful. I mean, when the you snot cry. coming down. Like the t- <laughs> I love when you can taste the snot off your your top lip, and you're oh, just like salt. <laughs> it's just like salty. Like, this is real. <laughs> but the real ugo is the next morning where my eyes are just. Swollen like a gecko, gecko yeah. eyes. I don't know. It, it, it's like so intense. Um, but what about you? Well, you know, weirdly, like yeah. I think my, I think both my parents modeled self care in different ways. So, like uh-huh. my dad, what he needs is like me time. Like he needs time for himself. So he wakes up, like, and this has been his schedule for a long time now. He wakes up every morning at like around 4.30. He eats a little breakfast for himself. Um, he like goes to the gym. Well, you can't go to the gym now, but he for years now, he's gone to the gym. He doesn't do much exercise. He gets on the ellipticals for a little. He's my kind of dude. And then he gets into the sauna and the steam room and just sweats it out. Like that's his thing. He does like 40 minutes wow. on the ellipticals. I think now he does a little bit of like lightweights or whatever. And then he sweats it out in the sauna and then he comes home and he studies for a couple of hours. Cause that's just, he just does that. And then he makes breakfast for my mom and all of the foreign exchange students. Um, and then she leaves for work and then he works like on his pastoral stuff. He always takes a nap in the afternoon, which I think is part of self care, wakes up again, cooks for everybody and then goes to sleep at like eight 30, you know? And so he, he's working the whole day but he's also creating enough space for himself where he has his me time and he has his self self care and like self balancing i don't even know if he would call it that but it's like his time so that when he has to serve you know these kids and my mom he has ample energy for it because he's already taken time for himself to the point where my dad's also the king of ordering things off of amazon prime um, not this is not a plug for Jeff Bezos, but you know my dad loves it. it, it I mean the 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 art of convenience is so beautiful to him, you know. And um, he ordered an uh, at home infrared sauna, like almost like a little sleeping bag that you plug in, mm-hmm. and he sits in that every day since he can't go to the gym anymore. <laughs> so he's wow he's cute creative oh my god i love it and i also love the siesta in the afternoon i will say i'm a big fan of that love a siesta and then for my mom she's like the 
a little bit different, but she was like spontaneous self-care. Like after a full day at church, after we were super busy, like doing all these things, like she'd be driving home and she's like, you know what? Like we deserve some ice cream and like flip around and we'd end up at like, you know, the supermarket or an ice cream shop picking up some ice cream um, or like, and like we'd go rent a movie that she wanted to watch when she's on vacation. She's on vacation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like she's not messing. My dad still wakes up on vacation and he works every morning and takes a walk and all that. But my mom is like, I'm on vacation, you know? And she loves her. She's a luxurious self-care queen. She gets it. That, that, she gets it. And uh, she loves her creature comforts. You know, she likes soft little, uh, soft uh, materials. And she has her own little like setup in her room with like her chair, like, you know, and I remember I used to come into her room late at night and she'd be sneaking peanut brittle, like, like, you know, I'm like, are you eating peanut brittle again? She's like, get out of my room. <laughs> That's so yeah. cute. My mom on vacation, she's still like on military time. She's like always like arranging our clothes and like taking care of everybody. Like my mom does not know how to relax. Oof. Like I told her, I told her a couple, I think a couple weeks ago, I was just like, mom, like you've been engineered in a certain way that you've never known how to like truly relax for yeah. an extended period of time. You've never given yourself permission to. And that's like a reflection of how we see ourselves. So when you go on vacation, can you relax? I don't know. <laughs> Not entirely. I don't think so because in, deep in my head, I'm like worried about all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I think to relax, I just take substances <laughs> of like alcohol to like alcohol. let my mind just like shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm definitely the, like my mom was kind of, you know, pretty militant, but it was like relaxing yeah. for her. Like it was less militant yeah. than at home, but it was so on vacation. I'm, I'm the annoying one. I'm like, <laughs> they have a 9am <laughs> tennis program. And he was like, you don't play tennis. I'm like, but they have a 9am tennis program. I love itineraries. You know? yeah. I love schedules. I love having a fucking plan. Yes. Yep. And I'm like, okay, so Yelp says that they open at 9am, but you have to get there at 7am because oh there's God, a I line. Know that's totally me. That's totally <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> and if you get there and you didn't plan for it, like if you were planning for a line and there was a line that's fine that's part of the itinerary but if you didn't plan for a line and there's a line i feel like that's a failure on of research on my part oh my god is that fucked up or you not and I are so much alike in that sense yes absolutely uh we got to learn how to relax just we go do. with the flow you know what i mean just go with the flow, flow? and that like goes into an the aunt? next question <laughs> yeah okay. you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like what's advice that you often give but rarely <sighs> actually do and mine is letting go of control okay because i just want to plan everything if there's no line but there is a line i'm a fucking yeah. failure so okay so do you like it though when someone else plans and say a surprise party for you if if you a future partner surprise you with a trip somewhere like do you like that kind of spontaneity where you don't have to be in control or do you kind of then wish you could have planned it no i think i would really appreciate that okay I would love that. Is there anybody out there listening that could do that for me? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> take on- me on a romantic trip somewhere or not romantic. I don't give a fuck. Just take me somewhere so I don't have to think. Well, for you like can a donate day. to our, you know, our romantic uh, trip fund <laughs> on twohornygoats.com. Me, me and Priscilla's honeymoon fund, <laughs> yeah. please. We have a donate button on twohornygoats.com. If uh, you want to take care of us, that's where you can do it. Um, and for me, it's definitely. Um, loving yourself. I I tell all of my friends how gorgeous and incredible and amazing they are. I am like, uh, you know, I I, I consider myself, you know, did you watch Cheer? I'm like Mm -mm. the uh, the guy who was on Matt all the, or not on Matt, but he was always like cheering them on. Um, But, you know, I'm like a one, a one woman cheer team, you know, for all of my friends. 
And I love my friends. I think they're amazing. But I, I never, I, I have a very hard time um, turning that love towards myself. And I'm still working on that. It's very difficult. Yeah, that's the hardest thing. It's easier to say than to do it yourself. I know. Like, so easier to give advice. Yeah. So for everyone out there, like share your self care journey with us. You can email us at hello at two hundred yotes dot com, or um, you know, you can comment on some of our posts. We or tweet at us. We want to know like what is your journey with self care. You know. Um, so, Rox, when do you know like you're burning out? Like when? Like what are your red flags now? Um, oh, okay. So I know that I'm burning out when I can't think clearly. Interesting. When it takes me longer to be able to hone in on something mm. and I feel like I'm spacey. Yeah. Um, and that's like the worst thing because I like to be able to have clear thoughts. Like, you know, there are a couple of times when you and I schedule podcasts and yeah. you, I just look at you and you look at me and we're both like, oh, this is not the day to do yeah, this. Yeah, like, yeah. like you feel it. Totally. You know what I mean? And I, and I encourage everybody to be more open to feeling yeah. and accepting like your, the state of the day that you're in and that mood that you're in. Because if you're like fucking pushing yourself to like yeah. I just gotta force myself to do this it's not gonna be effective right you know what I mean totally. so totally. Um, when you can't think clearly like you know you and I were just like sort of rambly that day yeah and then we're like, let's just get wine and cheese and let's yeah. just fucking drink, you know? And that was so much more effective for like our health yeah. that day. And like, you I know? think Rox and I, we, you know, we had both just had very Bernie outy weeks and we, we came to do it and we did have technical issues, but in my heart, I was Which like, Which was a sign from the universe. It was, you know, a potential sign from the universe. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing is, I was like, if we're talking about self care and we're not, you know, being aware of our own burnout signals and we're not nourishing and feeding our friendship, you know, then what, what, like, what's really the point? Then we'd be super hypocritical. But I think when we were younger, we would be like, we just need to grind it out. Exactly. Cause that's part of the hustle, right? Yeah. Is the grind. Totally. Totally. How do you feel like you're in a funk? Like how does that trigger those synapses in your body? Like I'm starting to do things out of like, spite <laughs> i don't know like oh, you know mm. like i don't mm-hmm. even want to be doing it but i'm weirdly it's almost like a flame out like right before i'm super burnt out i'm actually the most productive but it's like but it's like based on like feeling frustrated about having so much on my plate and then like i don't know it's like it, yeah it's done out of almost like anger like a haptic anger um or like Uh, just frustration so there's this like weird ball of energy but it's almost like when you pour kerosene on a fire it like flames up real quick but then the effect of it goes away really quickly as well um and so and it's a weird it's a weird red flag to look for because weirdly you're checking off a lot of things on your list you know what i mean but actually if i let myself burn out completely i'm useless for like months like months yeah they have to like take a longer time to recover yeah yeah I think that about does it for topic one rocks. Um, when mm-hmm. we come back from this short break, we'll be ready for topic two, which is spirituality. And when confronted with outside variables, what do we do to manage our goals, expectations to live our most fulfilling life? We'll be right back, guys. Hi, Goatees. We love hanging out with you every week. If you're liking what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a lot, and we will be eternally grateful. All right, everybody. Welcome back. And now we're going to be broaching topic two. Mm. Prisca, what is topic two? So we're talking about spirituality. 
Um, and you know, I, I'm pretty sure this is a big topic for a lot of people, but when confronted with outside variables, what do we do to manage our goals and expectations? Um, so rocks, like, what does this look like for you? Like, when did you realize you were a spiritual person and what's that kind of journey been like? Um, so a long time ago when I graduated college and I had no idea what I was doing, um, I moved out to LA on a whim and I was just like, I don't, you know, being a director wasn't even a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Like there was no women, no people of color. I was like, I'm just not going to get there. Like maybe I'll be a producer. I wanted to, you know, I think I'm a natural leader, so I want to be in a position like that, but I had no idea how to get there. Mm. So my dad gave me some very solid advice and he has no idea that this is also part of the law of attraction, Mm. which I'll dig into in a little bit. But, um, he, he basically told me, he's like, Roxy, if you want to be where you want to be, think about that position that you want and talk and act as if you're already there. Mm. So it's about being mindful of your speech, carrying yourself a certain way, because if you believe that, people will believe it. Interesting. So it's kind of a fake it till you make it situation a little bit. A little bit, yeah. but you want to think about that in a more positive angle because it's so hard for you to look at yourself and be like, "Oh, do I believe it?" Like, I don't like that's imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't believe I have that in myself. But what was helpful for me was that I did a list mm-hmm. and I looked at myself and I'm like, "Roxy, what are your natural strengths?" Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, "Oh, I should be a chemist because people want me to be a chemist," I'm never going to be a fucking chemist, right. you know. But I knew what my strengths were. I knew what my natural born gifts were. Mm-hmm. I am very good at talking to people. I'm good at encouraging people. Mm-hmm. I'm good at bringing a team together. And I like like uh, kicking off projects mm-hmm. and getting people excited. Like, what does that entail? That's like a producer, mm-hmm. right? Basically found a, a position or a role where I was like, this fits my natural talent mm-hmm. and it also fits my passion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I started talking. I started, you know, following my dad's technique. And it wasn't so much like I'm the boss, like I could, you know, do anything. Yeah. I was just like, no, my intentions are pure. Right. I really want to do this Mm -hmm. and um, I know I'm good at it. And also I have the ability to learn. Mm -hmm. So like giving myself, like talking to people and being like, Hey, this is my first time doing something, but I'm willing to, you know, go above and beyond and I'm willing to learn. And if you're able to accept my mistakes so that I could grow from them, you know, yeah. all the more power. And so Absolutely. then I ended up producing my first micro budget feature wow. that you were also helping out with. <laughs> That's Deadly right. Revisions, at 23, wow. you know? Yeah. And so if it weren't for that, if it weren't for that advice, I would be so, I would be under an avalanche of doubt and negative thoughts and like right. preventing myself from even taking that first step. That just bowls me away though, Rox, because mm. it, 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 it explains a lot about how you were able to conduct yourself. Cause I remember just always looking at you and being in awe, like how does she have so much confidence? How does she like, you know what I mean? Have so much, um, like why is she so brazen, you know? And why yeah, is she I'm so like brazen. positive and like <laughs> yeah. unafraid, like, like, and, and on top of that, I think everyone should know that on set with Roxy, especially back like 23 year old Roxy, you were never afraid to ask questions. That was yeah. like the one thing I, that not, I mean, that was one of the things I've learned from you over the years is if you don't know, just ask the question. Yes. Just ask. Because then you'll know. It's kind of like how I feel about people that are really douchey about having watched a film before. They're like, oh, like, you know, Space Odyssey, whatever. Like, and, and, oh, you've never seen it. Oh. And it's like, dude, this person can go home and, and find it on Amazon Prime. And in three hours, we'll have watched Space Odyssey. You know what I mean? Um, there's no point in like, 
I don't know, just being super snobby about it. And that's how I feel about things you don't know. Like you should just ask because then you can know. You know what I mean? I I know we're all afraid of the gaps in our knowledge, but the thing is like, if you ask, then you'll know. None of us, yeah, and people go through life not knowing a lot of fucking things, you know, not Gandhi. (laughs) And so, like, you know, I think another thing that you really want to be mindful of is, you know, uh, and I told Priscilla this, and I had to go through this, too, is surrounding Mm -hmm. yourself with people with vibrations that match yours. Elevating one another during times where you're experiencing low vibration. So when you're feeling low vibration, you're just like, oh, you feel tired, you feel sluggish, you don't feel motivated. But like having someone coming in with like higher vibration that could uplift you, you Mm. find yourself mirroring that. You know what I mean? And then so uh, I think just being like whatever you put out is what you receive. So that sort of goes into like the law of attraction thing again is just be mindful of who you have around you. Be mindful of excessive noise and who in your life are actually energy vampires. And this is a topic that we'll have for a future episode about toxic friendships and relationships. So just remember like you like, energy alignment you'll feel it like it's like chemistry it's like when you first met emily Mm. emily shung (laughs) i know and then also it's just like god like we have so much chemistry like chemistry is just like aligning vibrations and aligning energy right so if you have that and it makes you feel good you guys make each other feel Mm -hmm. good then that is amazing and you want to keep that around you well question so i know we'll talk about this in another you know episode but what are some secret energy vampires like what are some in disise energy vampires that you keep around you or, or have, have any, kept around you. Oh, have kept around yeah. me. Okay, so you know there's always like these long-term friendships mm-hmm. that you have yeah. and it's hard to really break off. But you will understand who's an energy vampire mm-hmm. if someone is asking for a lot of your time. And uh, But it... but. You real you feel exhausted yeah. after talking to them, yeah. or you feel triggered the moment they text or call. Ooh, interesting. Okay, you find yourself having a hard time responding to them. Mm-hmm. You find yourself whether or not you want to engage with it, but you do it out of obligation or because you've invested and yeah. had a long term relationship with this person so um just ask yourself you know (laughs) because that's your intuition talking to you too Mm, interesting yeah you know i've definitely had my fair share of energy vampires and usually a big sign is like when you show up for them but they're not really showing up for you or when they Mm -hmm. show up for you they're you know filled with kind of like they're kind of almost guilting you yes yeah and that's a that's a that's a pretty bold face sign but i think when you're young you're like i just want to be a good friend you know and i don't think you realize like to set aside time to realize if someone's being a good friend to you you know so that's like that goes back to putting yourself first totally 100 percent. which is the hardest homework that we have in our life yeah so roxy (laughs) like so when you think of a a spiritual realm like are you thinking of a spiritual realm that's existing within our world today are you thinking about more of an afterlife situation um you know what's your idea of the spiritual realm i i was examining patterns in different cultures and different beliefs Mm -hmm. and i realized that a lot of them are the same like the way that you access the spirits that are still here right um and how time is actually non-linear this is how tarot readers and psychics can tap into the past and present 
right now because it's actually sorry i don't i don't want to get too i mean i can touch upon this if you guys want to know more about this feel free to tell us (laughs) that you want me to be extremely esoteric and talking about like this paranormal or like spiritual realm but it's like um it's all happening at the same time Mm, got it okay so um i could tap into your current energies i could tap into your past energies and your future energies i could tell you what happened if um you took the job. You said no to the job. If you continue dating someone, if you decide to let them go, you know? Um, so for me, it's like, uh, and then you have your spirit guides and your guardian angels and then, um, and all of them who are here to sort of take care of you through this physical life, mm. life cycle. Um, there is an afterlife. I do believe in reincarnation. I believe in past lives like fucking crazy mm. because um, I just, you just know there are some people that you meet that you feel like I, I know you yeah, and they've been circulating soul in your soul family for like, many different cycles yeah right you know and and uh it's weird because the older you get the more sensitive you are to these things interesting and i know you come from a christian background i want to learn about that Mm. because this is like so different right yeah no it it is but you were raised with but at the same time it's you know it's it's actually more similar than different in a lot of ways oh good 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 good, yeah but so when when did you kind of embark on this spiritual journey were you always kind of thinking in this vein or did you kind of come to it at a certain point uh it was when i started practicing tarot so about three years ago yeah about three years ago and then you know i grew up buddhist so like you know my parents have always been a, a big about like the different kinds of because uh, we have a polytheistic, you know, sort of uh, religion, uh, but it was never like you didn't have to do anything. You just have to pay respect right. to the to the gods, and then um, ask them to bless you and mm-hmm. to look after you. And um, but there wasn't a system like no church on Sundays or anything like that, and maybe some major holidays. Got but you. for me, it's always just about your internal spiritual journey, having integrity in the actions that you do. Karma is a huge thing. Mm-hmm whatever you do will come back and bite you in the ass. I believe in that. And karmic debt, I believe in all of this. Like Mm. sometimes you're stuck with this one person for a long period and as a cycle in your life, you're just like, what did I do? Maybe you owed them something. Mm -hmm. Maybe they saved you in a past life and you have to repay that debt in this life. So So it's about balance. Right. So, okay. So in terms of having all these spiritual um, things going on in the world and, and having karma and having reincarnation, what keeps Mm -hmm. you active versus passive? Like what keeps you, um, you know, always consciously, uh, like being proactive in your life versus like, okay, well the spirits have got it. Let me just go like with the flow. You know, what, what's that journey been for you? Oh my God. I feel like it's because I like, after I started spirituality, I'm Mm. like, my life has gotten so much better. How so? How so? I'm so much happier. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I found purpose. I feel like my life has changed, like being open to the messages coming in and like them giving me real talk through my cards Mm. or like having friends around me that match my vibrations, telling me the truth of like my personal growth, looking back at your life just even two years ago and seeing how far you've come come as a person right right and like being more and then this has really taught me that spirituality has taught me that we're all we all go through the same shit (laughs) like yeah we all go through heartbreak we all go through failure we all go through success Mm -hmm. and like it's helped me so much more in my storytelling and like has given me more empathy and a willingness to listen and that the ability to connect to humans in that aspect has made me feel so much more fulfilled because we're just humans. I I do want to talk briefly about your short film, The Visit, because I think, 
I've seen a lot of your work and it always touches on the abstract and it does yeah. touch on like ancestral trauma and pain. Yeah. But this one was by far your most spiritual piece of work and it did yeah. fall after you started reading tarot. And I, mm-hmm. I know you had the vision for this for a longer time, but you were making it when you already had embarked on this new spiritual aspect of yourself. Yeah. Um, what was that like making this film and how did it differ from uh, like projects, personal projects that you've done before? This is the first personal project I've done in a very long time because I've been for hire for so many years. Right. And um, the the thing about the visit that was different. So basically it's about um, this woman who married uh, this Taiwanese woman who comes home to her rural homestead to like visit her Nai her grandmother. Um, and she brought home her husband, who's a Westerner, and she's pregnant with his baby. And what happens is she realized that her grandma had uh, like completely disappears one day and that she came back five days later in the same spot saying that she was just having tea with the next door neighbor, but there is no neighbor. Mm. And, um, and so from the outside, everyone's like super creeped out by this because she's obviously connecting to a spirit. And Taiwan has a lot of spirits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Any place with a lot of history, I think America's still fairly new. We're not as spiritual because um there isn't too much that has happened but like um what happened was that i i dare to take like an empathetic view from the point of view of like Mm -hmm. this demon that's like haunting her Mm -hmm. because everything that's left behind comes from either love or pain but it all stems from love because love can create the biggest heartbreak so entities um spirits that are behind that left behind have not moved on they're still here because they're worried Mm. about someone that's still here in the physical world Mm -hmm. you know they haven't left yet they're here to take them to the other side the moment that they pass um or someone who's like hurt so badly they just become an evil entity based off of vengeance, but all of that comes from love. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So did you feel like in writing this film, you were able to access a side of yourself that you hadn't accessed in order to write before? No, actually I think I was really frustrated with, um, Mm like my work (laughs) over all the commercial stuff that I was doing that wasn't really fulfilling and not in my voice. And then uh, this came out so naturally. The script was written in like three hours. I remember when you finished it and you texted me and you're like, Oh my God. I know. I was like, can you read this? I was like, I need notes on it. Like right away. I mean, I think it's one of your most beautiful pieces of work and it's interesting because it came after doing so much self work. Right. Oh, so that's how it was able to just flow out of you because you had, yeah. you had, it's almost like being a hose or something like you had positioned yourself in front of the water. Yes. Yeah. And it just flowed out of me the same way that happens. Like when I read tarot now, it's like mm. when you're more open to it, like it comes to you much more quickly. And so it's not just helped me in terms of my self growth journey, but in terms of my creative journey as well. Got you. So that was my whole thing. Mm. Um, and I want to know about you, Priscilla, because it's like you come from a, re- a religious background setting, but you also have sought spirituality. I just did a tarot reading for you this week. It was so intense. Yeah. It was very intense. Roxy read my tarot and immediately I felt the souls of my grandmothers in the room with me. And it was like clear as day. And Roxy, I was just bawling. Um, and I have to say, maybe even just five years ago, I don't know that I would have let you read tarot for me. Because right, I, it's considered witchcraft. It's, it was considered witchcraft. My, my mom was always very afraid of evil spirits, always like very afraid of any spirit outside of the Holy Spirit or Jesus and God. Um, mm. And so I don't know that even just, yeah, even just a few years ago, I don't think I would have been open to it. 
And I think I would have been really afraid. Um, but I think one of the interesting things that happens when you are raised in the church and you're a pastor's kid is a lot of people pray over you. Ever since yeah. I was a baby, people have been praying over me. Um, and I think that for better or for worse opens you up to a spiritual realm that you didn't necessarily ask to be privy to, you know? And in a lot of ways, I do, I do say often like being a pastor's kid was kind of like being the child of a traveling uh, magician. And, you know, I know where the rabbits sleep at night. I know where they keep the doves, you know, and I know how many doves die on average per week, you know? And, um, but in terms of like the prayer side of it, I genuinely think there is a spiritual realm. I don't know much about it, but I believe it exists and I believe it was impressed upon me more um, as a pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. And I think my my husband, who is also a pastor's kid, we had a discussion about this this week and it's like, I think it 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 opens a channel somehow. And so for some, for whatever reason, I've always been incredibly sensitive to spirits. Like going to cemeteries was like overwhelming because I was just like, just feeling the like i don't i don't know how to articulate it but it was an overwhelming um feeling of like people trying to bump into you you know what i mean yeah and then i remember going to pearl harbor and having like very clear conversations with like three different like soldier spirits that were like tell my family i'm okay and i was like i gotta get out of here (laughs) and i was maybe like 12 you know um and, and whether or not that's just subconscious or perception or or imagination i can't really say but um you know i i can't deny like the the feelings that i have around it and so i grew up very 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 religious and then when i later in like after um after like being in the room when my grandmother passed and then just feeling like this kind of like nothingness Mm-hmm. And then having my mom tell people the next day, like, oh, there was like an angel in the room in a lightness. And, and then her soul was like carried off to the, I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Like I was so angry and maybe it was misplaced anger, but at the time I was just so disillusioned and so angry because I had heard that story from so many Christians so many times all about like this kind of glorification of, of death and, and this beautification of it, you know? Yeah. And it was so frustrating to me. And um, I was already having issues with the church, but that was kind of my last straw. It was like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I went into a complete like tailspin. And it just felt like free falling because the biggest thing that I realized with was growing up in the church, I had no moral code outside of like Christian doctrine. I had no concept of like what makes a good person, what makes a bad person outside of like explicitly what it says in the Bible, Mm -hmm. you know? And, Mm -hmm. and that was like a a rude awakening because all of a sudden I I'm like, I can't let go of religion. Um, and also let go of, of my identity, but those were so intertwined that it, it felt like, um, a ripping apart of sorts. It was like uh, taking a plane and ripping its wings off. And I was just like, I was just spiraling down to the, it was, I was in free fall for a very, very, very long time. And I still was left with like so much guilt and a sense of duty. And at the same time, just feeling like I had to rebuild my moral code, like on my own. How did you do that? I think that I, 
I think through friends like you, honestly, rocks like people that I could model myself that I knew were good people that I knew had integrity that I knew had a purpose, um, but weren't necessarily religious in any way. And even some mm-hmm. religious friends that were just great people. Um, I, I was like, it, it was honestly like it was, um, it was like doing experiments, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm probably fucked a lot of people over, made a lot of mistakes, like was kind of an asshole during that time because like I literally didn't know up from down, you know? Well, that's because you were literally the foundation of what you know just completely shattered and you have to go and pick up the pieces and redefine what this means to yourself. And that's really freaking hard totally. and it, to be as a pastor's kid, yeah. you know? And it's scary. And it's not that I don't believe in any it's not like I, I would say I'm probably closest to being like agnostic you know I, mm-hmm. I believe there's something out there and if there's not that's fine and I think ultimately my belief is like none of us have died none of us know the afterlife and so whatever it is on the other side like that will be as it will be but there's nothing yes. I can do about that right now really you know um, there's nothing predictive I can do all I can do is just try to be the best person I can be and honestly have as much fun as we can have um, and uh, I remember I had a friend basically ask me wait, wait so you're not doing this for mansions in the sky like you know you're not doing this for your gifts and rewards in heaven and I'm just like you know if that comes then that comes but like uh, like there's no way to know you know so I'm just enjoying the present and trying to that's great be here and i i never would have said that growing up you know um and actually like it's made me i don't know how you're like it's made me happier in the present and it's made me less anxious um and it's made me a lot less fearful and it's also allowed me to I think when I was a Christian, if I had a Buddhist friend in the back of my head, I was like, got to keep praying for them. Got to keep praying for them. You know what I'm saying? But now mm-hmm. I'm like, I can meet people from various backgrounds and then just meet them where they're at and try to understand where they're coming from. A hundred percent. And like, I just want to say another thing, just like listening to you talk about it. Like, it's a real fine balance, you know? Right. Um, a lot of people, especially when I go back to Taiwan and I read for, like, older women mm. who feel like they're past their prime, like, um, and they're like, oh, is there going to be love coming in for me? Am I going to have, like, what? usually it's love if they're single. And I said, well, actually, love, there's a lot of potential all around you, but you just don't take action. They're like, oh, it's impossible. I'm not going to do all that. I'm too old. Mm-hmm. I'm like, nothing comes to you mm-hmm. if you don't take active if you don't take an active step towards it or try like nothing's going to come to you right. you have to do the work you know what i mean yeah. so it's like being very specific about where you're putting your intentions towards yeah. and then also being able to be like all right this is my wish fulfillment um sending out the, to the universe that this is what i want but yeah. i have to be the one that takes that first step right and i i like the things that i do miss is i think when you when i was going to church consistently mm-hmm. you're being essentially outside of like the teaching and the doctrine itself, you're leaving, you're consciously opening a channel to the spiritual and and you're consciously seeking out what the guidance is. And I, I think that is a beautiful model in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. A lot of the other things the the church stand for are just not within my, you know, not within my purview at the moment anymore. I'm not opposed to joining a church, but I know I have a tendency to be triggered by being in that environment. So I'm happier, you know, being 
kind of on the on the outside of that kind of community at the moment but i love people i love the people and i i i love that spiritual aspect because i think like you're saying it's so important to actively seek that out and actively seek out what's you know what's driving you um Mm -hmm. and a lot of times the spirits or a spirit or you know whatever you believe in is the dictator of that you know um but it's complicated (laughs) We also want to hear your stories. I know that everybody has ghost stories the same way that Priscilla talked about her Pearl Harbor soldiers. (laughs) Sorry. So, uh, you know, let us know. Let us know. Email us. Tweet at us. We would love to hear your stories about this or what your paranormal encounters were, just because everybody does have different gifts. And I'm interested to see, like, what that was like for you. But also another aspect that I want to throw out there for those who are extra sensitive to these things, because, Priscilla, I know that you are. Yeah. Like, when we were meditating... Um, a couple days ago, um, you just started crying because you felt both both of your grandmas there with you. Yeah, and um, a lot of people have asked me before, like, how do I prevent myself from like seeing negative spirits mm-hmm. or like feeling negative or not not be creeped out? Boundary setting is a thing that doesn't just exist in the physical right. world. You can also set boundaries for the spiritual realm. Mm. So it's all about like you know telling them. You know, in in Taiwanese culture, it's like we do believe in a lot of spirits and ghosts, and if you go to a spot it's like asking them you know when we shot the visit yeah we we had a ceremony we had incense oh, wow. and we asked all the spirits to like please we're only here we're not here to bother you we're not here to provoke mm-hmm. you we're we just hope that like we ju- we're just only going to be here for a couple of days please make sure that everything's smooth sailing from right. here thank you so much you know so it's so like, it's like respect. respecting mm. respect if we all just fucking respected everything or like the space we're going into yeah. the people we're talking to like life could be life-changing and on that note i think it's time for all right rocks well this week i've been watching um expecting amy on hbo max Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like a really rough and tumble documentary by amy schumer and her husband um but uh, and so i was kind of you know i i i I like amy schumer some of her humor like doesn't always land for me uh, and it's a certain type of um white woman feminism that I think now she's aware of, but was touting for many years, but when she wasn't aware of. So anyway, I have my issues with her, but in watching this documentary, I was really bowled over not only just with her work ethic, like she is going out every night, like, like sometimes two or three times, four times doing set after set after set. Um, and that's just how she was living her life. And then she gets pregnant Mm. and she also suffered from basically, uh, I think it's called, well, like like emesis or something um but like so she has extreme morning sickness like extreme 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 morning sickness where she vomited like every day of her pregnancy and she was still doing shows and touring um and she was still like really retooling jokes and like you know putting her set together for for a taping um and she was just like you know dealing with a new like a pretty new marriage um so it was it's really beautiful to see just like insight into one, how women are treated in the comedy industry. Um, and two, uh, just kind of the shit that women don't talk about enough with pregnancy because, and I think Ali Wong really broke this open in a lot of ways, but this was like an, an intimate look at what all the things look like, the things that women are supposed to hide. Like what we hide is just like, Oh, a glowing pregnancy. Like you're glowing. It's pregnancy, but actually it's cause I've been vomiting all morning, but like, I don't feel like women necessarily felt the freedom 
to relay that kind of information because it was like, you're sitting on a lily, lily petal, you're sitting there, you know, with the eye of the universe on your forehead, just sitting there growing a human is kind of like the perception of pregnant women to an extent. And so this really breaks that open and also just breaks open the conception of a joke you know so you get both of those things it's a really easy watch actually it's only like three episodes an hour each and i finished it in an afternoon and my husband liked Mm -hmm. it too so um so yeah that that's my big wreck for the week my second one is uh roxy i hate 21 year olds I'm at that stage of my 30s. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Gen Z artists are serious. Like Gen Z in general, they're just like way above and beyond. Yeah. Like ahead of us. By hate, I mean I'm obsessed with and I hate how obsessed I am and I hate how removed I am from it because I am not that young anymore. And like I hate the amount of talent that's coming out because I can't even <laughs> fathom being that talented as a 21 year old. But anyway, Gracie Abrams, um, you know, not to be, de- you know, defined by her father, but her father is is jj abrams casual 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 casual. so this bitch is like really great at songwriting and storytelling wonder why (laughs) um (laughs) but like her album minor i've had on repeat and i was like telling roxy some of the lyrics like um i miss fighting in your old apartment throwing dishes when you're disappointed i'm like bitch who hurt you i was still like trying to figure out how to drink whiskey properly so like, i was like i'm just sitting here listening to Al- like minor on repeat um feeling all the things because it kind of does make me feel like a teenager again but honestly she's like navigating thoughts that i think are beyond her ears i like her voice a lot she's so cute um those are my picks roxy what are yours I hate perfect people. <laughs> I do too. It's so <laughs> disgusting. I'm done. I'm done. Um, okay, so mine, I'm reading this book called Regretting Motherhood, <laughs> which is a study by Orna Donas. Oh, because, like, I, I know I stumbled upon this book because uh, Anna Akana was talking about it in a video that she was doing because she was just like, I know, I love her too. And, and um, this study really goes against the grain because, you know, women, we're always being put, like, if you don't have children, you're going to regret it, yeah. right? And it really goes and interviews these women who actually, because you can't talk about regretting motherhood. No. Like, what kind of person does that make you? Right. But then she did a study, a cross-study, with, like, a bunch of subjects about them actually regretting it. And how this is actually something that's unspoken yeah in the community right and like how society holds guilt of your future self as an incentive for women to feel like they have to breed society really punishes women for even you know small acts um which people might define as bad being a bad mother you know so i can only imagine like yeah women get crucified for this but it's something that's crucified. real yeah and i'm just like reading this book i just keep getting like my jaw just keeps dropping wow. because i'm like you know i'm currently struggling with this as you know yeah. and um i know you are also thinking about this all the time sure. but it's like why is it such a huge component does it really matter and like she really lays it all out wow. as a study wow. so um so it i just really recommend this book to women who are feeling the same way that i am about this um so it's regretting motherhood by orna donath um all of the information for our unsolicited picks will be in 
in our show notes below. Yeah. So if you guys are curious, like that's where you can access it. Um, the second pick that I have is I know I'm really dumb because I've lived in LA for like fucking 10 years <laughs> and I've never been to this beach. But recently, me and my friend Brianna, shout out Bri G. What's up? Uh, what's up? What's up? Recently checked out El Matador State Beach in Malibu wow. and it has like these giant rocks and caves. Yes. And like every Instagram influencer during the pandemic <laughs> is like out there. Like we saw this one couple that just can't stop touching each other oh and gosh. act as if they're posing for the cameras for like two hours and there were no cameras there, was there I a bet drone? they were just waiting <laughs> yeah they, they were just these, this perfect couple they just kept kissing and touching wow. and as if they're posing in the waves sort of people there was no camera what? no photographer and then and then Brie was like oh I totally think they're waiting for like a TikToker to be like just found this couple oh on the beach God. and like it's so funny so LA random love goals couple goals like couple goals <laughs> so like if you want to do a photo shoot I definitely wreck oh. El Matador State Beach so gorgeous and the only way to ex- escape this heat Yes, because it was like 118 degrees in like Palm Springs. We were driving over there, and then by the time we got to the beach, it was like 85. Gosh! And at night, world of a difference. It's 76 degrees, and it's so it's so maddening to me. 76 degrees is not okay. I'm just gonna stand on my soapbox really quick. Hang on, let me get on my soapbox. Okay, I'm up on my soapbox, guys. She's really not that much taller. <laughs> for me, it is, okay? Five inches is a lot for me. Um, now, I'm 5'5 five five now, and 76 <laughs> degrees is just too hot, so we need to fix climate change. So everyone go and buy a Prius. <laughs> Prius, please sponsor us. Yes. Toyota, please sponsor us. And we us. will steal your rims and put them back on our rims because our rims have been stolen. It's a vicious cycle. <gasps> Maybe that's why people steal them. because It's almost like those nice chains that like start Starbucks, where like you buy a drink for the next person, except it's like much more negative than that. So the first person, all they had to do was steal one set of rim covers. And then after that, they had to steal rim covers from the next person to put it back on their car. And thus the cycle cycle. keeps going. And that's why we don't have rim covers. We had a lot of breakthroughs on this we episode. We did. Y'all. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox because Roxy, Roxy, you get on the soapbox. You're going to read a card for the collective. Hold on, let me get down. Let me get down. Hang on. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I am now five foot five and a half. <laughs> we're so tall. I'm just, a, I'm just like an inch or so taller than Priscilla. All right. So we're going to pull a card. That, I'm not doing an oracle message this week. This week, I'm doing a traditional tarot okay. card. So let's give our vibes. vibes. What can our listeners be focusing Send on it. this week? Dear universe, dear spirit Ooh. guys, thank you so Here we much go. for Here we your go. endless gifts. And, uh, 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 uh. So I want to talk. Give me one second. All right. <gasps> wow. That jumped out like okay. a like a salmon going up river, you know? Oh, so this card is the Six of Pentacles. So <gasps> Six of Pentacles talks about giving mm. and receiving. So I think it's really relevant to what we we're talking about today because when it comes to your inner health, inner emotional yeah. and spiritual health, it's about finding balance, right? Yeah. So this person in uh, Six of Pentacles shows like a really person who's well off giving to the poor Mm. you know but you can't give to the poor or those who are needy without taking care of your own needs first so just really folk what you want to focus on this week um is really talking about like what is it that i need instead of just like what you want think about what you need in order to fulfill your inner child your inner self your inner whatever it is that needs you to become fulfilled and then um once you have 
charged up your energy and filled up your battery in terms of that sense than give out and receive. Mm. So um, Six of Pentacles, yes, talks about giving and receiving. So wow. fill up your own cup first. Put your own you oxygen your mask others. on, you know? Yeah. Get that oxygen <laughs> exactly. mask on before you help, you know, the children or the elderly next to you. A hundred percent. Well, I think that was an episode, Rox. Oh my God, you guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week to Two Horny Goats. And we hope that you will join us next yeah. week for our next episode. And always have a horny week. Our lovely goatees. And remember, stay, stay horny. This podcast is hosted by Roxy and Priska. Music by Abraham Kim. Artwork by Connie Yen. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com. Today's outro music feature is Bones by our friend Mara. Mara says, The song starts from the perspective of a girl who's starting to fall for someone but feels unsure about that person's feelings for them. The song is really just about being doubtful about the authenticity of someone's love questioning whether or not it's real and also touches on how love can become toxic even once it's ended it has residual effects enjoy